This is the weekly sales meeting for January 28th, 2024. My name is Chris Fleming. You can reach me at chris at cdmediaconsulting.com or go to our website at cdmediaconsulting.com. Today's topic, be like Grey Goose. For those who enjoy vodka-based cocktails, they are familiar with Grey Goose. This French vodka brand is a relative newcomer with roots dating back only to 1997. It is the brainchild of liquor magnate Sidney Frank and his partnership with seller master Francois Thibault. Together, they created or conjured a premium liquor brand out of seemingly thin air. They took on the stalwart of the industry, which at the time was absolute, in an unconventional way and won. In 2004, after a mere eight years in existence, this premium brand sold to Bacardi for $2.3 billion, with a B, dollars. How did they do it? Well, it wasn't Frank's first encounter with accidental greatness, but proof that when opportunity meets preparation, good luck is born. Sidney Frank was born in rural Connecticut in 1919. He was a poor farm boy with little to his name. Despite humble beginnings, he managed to find his way into Brown University, but had to drop out after one year as he could not afford the tuition. And what he learned in his brief encounter with the children of the rich and famous was this. It may not be about what you know, but who? He once said, if you meet any important people, keep in touch with them. He whimsically added, and marry a rich girl. It is easier to marry a million than to make a million. He did exactly that. He married Louise Rosenthal in 1945. Skippy, to her friends, was the daughter of the president of Shenley Distilleries. Shenley was one of the four big liquor distributors in the United States at the time. Marry rich, he said, and he did. He went to work at Shenley and began a rapid ascent up the corporate ladder as only the son-in-law of a man with the controlling interest can. Yet it wasn't all nepotism and roses. Sidney Frank had a penchant for product marketing and branding. He knew how to get a product to market and what it took to drive sales. After a falling out with the family and the death of his wife, Frank struck out on his own. He started his own liquor business in 1972. The Sidney Frank Import Company was born, but is far from an overnight success. It almost went belly up several times. Frank kept the creditors at bay by sinking his personal assets into the operation. At one of the low points of those early days, he would make an accidental discovery. While walking the Upper East Side of Manhattan, he discovered a group of German immigrants. They were in a bar drinking a dark, odd-tasting liquor from the fatherland. They seemed to be the only ones drinking and enjoying it. He was intrigued, so much so that he secured the importing rights to the brand. It was what you and I call Jägermeister. For the better part of a decade, nothing much happened with his unknown brand. It would sell some units, but slow and steady might well describe its performance. That all changed in 1985. That was the year students at the Louisiana State University unleashed their love for Jägermeister. The urban myth is the taste was so unique that it became a challenge to drink this stout liquor. It could easily have been a fad that passed in the night, but LSU students kept ordering. Baton Rouge was afloat with Jäger. Frank saw what was happening and cranked up his marketing efforts. A newspaper story appeared in the Baton Rouge Advocate. It extolled the virtues of this new liquid volume. Frank's marketing arm hired a bevy of attractive pitch women for the brand. They descended on Louisiana. The Jaegerettes, as they were dubbed, invaded New Orleans bars. They plastered copies of this grand press. And the stroke of genius was the marketing campaign featuring a man recoiling from downing a shot. Underneath the vision were the words, so smooth. Never let the truth get in the way of a good story. Jägermeister became the symbol of the cool collegiate experience, and almost everyone at the party was downing their unfair share of the 70-proof liquor. No one 
in the liquor business could have predicted this meteoric rise of such an odd-tasting drink. But LSU students can take the credit or get the blame, whichever you prefer. The Jaeger shot was the pinnacle of debauchery for partygoers around the country. It continued to be a hot brand long after Frank had sold his interest in the German liquor. It proved that a good marketing plan and a stroke of good luck can make anything into an overnight success, even if it takes 10 years to get off the ground. Jägermeister proved the product didn't have to have mass appeal, but the aura of the product did. That brings us to Grey Goose. It was born in the summer of 1997. It was a collaboration between a master marketer and a master distiller. Francois Thibault was a French maitre de chai. His expertise was in the world of cognac. That was the highest designation that could be bestowed. It was that of a cellar master. Their idea was to create a unique vodka brand. This is a tall order, as vodka, by definition, is not that distinctive. Thibault was French, and at the time, few vodka brands were of French origin. But this starts to craft the Grey Goose narrative. Due to the culinary prowess of French cuisine, it would provide the goose with the narrative backdrop of distinction. Their process would be different from the vodkas of Eastern Europe or Scandinavia. They would use French winter wheat as their base. They would use water from the natural springs of the region and filter it through limestone from the Champagne region. They distilled northeast of Paris and then shipped the distilled byproduct to the cognac region for finishing. In packaging, Frank's team created a smoky glass bottle. And like cognac, it was delivered in wooden crates to ooze distinction and a premium position. What Frank and Thiebaud banked on was crafting a narrative about this premium vodka brand and then carving out a point of differentiation in an overcrowded market. It was going to be about the story, the painstaking detail of crafting this fine product, and it was going to be about the packaging as a point of differentiation, and it was going to be about the consumer experience to develop a marketplace above the premium level that was perceived in the category. It would price itself way above the market and let the market chase it. At the time of the launch, Absolute was at its height. It controlled the premium vodka market, selling at $17 a bottle, when most others were closer to $10. Absolute was a stalwart and a huge profit center. There is very little difference between vodka brands. Dirty little secret, there are only so many ways to distill wheat. Conventional wisdom would tell you that the smart play was for Grey Goose to enter the market slightly below the market leader. From this position, it could attempt to chip away at market share. It could use tactics like aggressive pricing and adding a heavy dose of marketing. That is what most businesses in most categories attempt to do. They attempt to mimic the market leader. They combat their superior position by undercutting the price. Our Grey Goose heroes chose the opposite strategy. They took a page out of the You Are Worth a Million Dollars If You Look Like You Are Worth a Million Dollars playbook. They intentionally priced themselves at two times the competitor. What Frank knew was the input costs of the product were the same for all brands. He was going to create a premium product through perception and differentiation. In the game of vodka poker, Frank looked at the hand Absolute was holding and said, I have a position above yours and I'm going to prove it. I am not going to wallow in the mediocrity of the price wars, but instead create a category unto myself and thus dictate the terms of each transaction. By charging $30 a bottle with the same input costs, the difference was pure profit. Grey Goose created the aura of premium around its product. It let the marketplace want a seat at their table. They created a super premium category for distilled spirits that had not yet existed, all because they went against conventional wisdom. 
Grey Goose invested in the packaging, presentation, and marketing of the product, all to make it the in-demand, top-shelf product that it might not be. It crafted its sales narrative in such a way that you believed it was a premium product. Was its process any different than other vodka producers of the day? Many would argue it wasn't, but the fact that it became synonymous with a premium lifestyle made its higher price tag a non-issue in the product decision game. When the decision drivers of time, effort, money, or prestige are satisfied in the human mind, the price becomes secondary. Plus, there is a strong psychological draw of the value of a premium price. If something looks expensive, sounds expensive, and is expensive, it must be better. Grey Goose tapped into this narrative and wrote it to a $2.3 billion sale for Frank and Company. Why don't we do this? Instead of trying to be the same as everyone else and being sold as a commodity, why don't we create differentiation? Why don't we create premium offerings that are must-haves and can't live withouts? Why don't we compete in our space with what is unique about us and charge accordingly? Most try to play the commodity game. This is when the sale goes to the lowest bidder instead of the best product. We fail to differentiate ourselves and stand out in the field. We fail to craft a narrative that makes us a product of distinction. We look at the competitor, especially when it is the market leader, and competitively try to undercut them instead of out-delivering them. But we can fix this. It takes a change of heart and a change of mindset. It takes a switch from conservative thinking to thinking like a startup with nothing to lose. Analyze your market space and market position. Which place do you occupy? Are you the current market leader or are you in the second or third position? Are you struggling to make a name for yourself in a crowded market? Here is a suggestion. Do something different. Change the narrative about you and who you are. This is a hard path to go down. But unless you want the marketplace to define you rather than you defining the marketplace, this is the road you must travel. Clearly define your non-preemptible market position. What do you stand for and why? Then craft the narrative that gives this position strong teeth. Something people can relate to and want to be part of. What does that message look like? Craft it and repeat it as often as possible. In the right circles, of course. The psychological power of pricing plays a pivotal role in consumer behavior. Prices aren't only numeric figures. They evoke emotions. They drive product perceptions. They create and provide value judgments. Pricing influences how consumers look at any product. Price can define value without anyone ever consuming the product. It can define quality. It even shapes a product's identity. Premium pricing creates a perception of exclusivity and luxury. It attracts those seeking status. Discounts and sales often do the opposite. Moreover, pricing psychology involves anchoring. The initial price presented sets a reference point for consumers. The first price you see defines the value for your customers. Make sure it is your true identity. When pricing for your market, understand two things. One is the first price is what you will be judged by, always. And second, you can always come down from the first price, but you can never go up. The floor becomes the ceiling, never the other way around. Use this in your pricing strategy. Define the market before it defines you. Beware of dropping your price. You may never recover. Some broadcasters employed such tactics in the last few years. They may never recover as they don't know how to change the narrative about them. They lack the intestinal fortitude and the practiced conversation to raise the price. Understanding the nuances of business enough to shape consumer perceptions. Know what is unique about you and make that part of your narrative. Then charge accordingly. Take a page out of the Grey Goose playbook. Make your unique offering take a premium position on the marketing shelf. 
My new book, 52 Weekly Sales Meetings, is now available on Amazon.com. If you like what you have heard here today, please consider ordering a copy or two. You can always send one to a friend. Go to cdmediaconsulting.com right now and follow the instructions to order.